Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we challenge each other to read books outside our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This fortnight on Shelf Aware, we are continuing our discussion of the new adult genre. So um, if you remember, the first book in this unit was The Mister by E.L. James. <laughs> um, and it kind of kicked off our whole unit on new adult because it is not a genre that I read very often or really want to read is the bottom line there. Um, <laughs> so this fortnight, M found a book for us to read that was pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was pretty like indicative of the whole genre mm. or pretty representative. That's the word I'm looking for of the genre as a whole. And it was like one of the earlier new adult books as well. Yeah. Um, so before we like really dive into the meat of this book, um, we or M has done a little bit of research into the new adult genre to kind of describe a little bit more about it and what its stereotypes are or what it's all about, what we can what we can look forward to reading in future mm. new adult books. I don't know. All right. So here's the thing. No, that's not how I'm starting this. <laughs> Here's the tea. Here's the tea on new adult. What is new adult? Is it anything? I'm still not sure. Undecided. <laughs> the idea of new adult, and I've got an outline here, but feel free to jump in if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Sure. The basic idea of new adult is that it is a similar genre to other age-based genres such as YA, middle grade, kid lit, early reader, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So these types of genres exist to fill a specific market niche and they're meant to address the issues of an audience within a distinct age range. So in the case of new adult, that would be people from the ages of loosely 17 to 27, 28. So like late teens, uh, early to mid 20s. So because it's meant to address issues of an age range, the actual content can theoretically vary greatly. So with YA, mm -hmm. this is really, really evident, right? So like all other genres exist within YA. YA is just a distinction to say like, yes. this is this genre, but we are doing it in a way that will appeal to a teenaged audience. Um, so you've got like YA fantasy, With YA a romance, triangle YA poetry. And a clumsy main character. Yes, yes. That was a very a very prevalent uh, trope in YA of uh, the late aughts, especially, thanks to Twilight. Yes, um, not to hate on YA. We both read a lot of YA. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally, a good genre. Totally. It's fine. Or umbrella for a genre, I guess you could say. So I, I'm kind of referring to it as like a mega genre or like a macro genre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's like a genre okay, that okay. contains other genres, right? Because it's not like a subgenre, really. Because right. it has, I don't know. That's that's how I'm kind of like thinking of it in my mind in order to make it all make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so theoretically, it's new like adult, a megamorph genre. Yes, exactly. It has all of them <laughs> within it. Um, so theoretically, new adult is this too, right? Where it could contain all of the other genres just in a way to appeal to... Uh, people in their uh, really early 20s is kind of who it's appealing to. Yes. Like college age, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. But it kind of doesn't really seem that way when you look at the genre as a whole, because there is one specific genre that is really, really, really overrepresented in the new adult macro genre, right? Which is yes. romance. 
So erotica. Uh, yeah. Um, so this kind of like begs the question, <laughs> is new adult actually its own thing that could contain all these other things? Or is it just a marketing tool in order to appeal to a people who used to read YA and like all of the angst and longing in that, but are now a little bit older and feel weird reading YA or, and, or Mm -hmm. people who are interested in romance, but are put off by the idea of like kind of the stereotypes of romance, like the Harlequin dime store, you know, paperback romance. So is this just a repackaging of stuff that already existed, essentially? Um, I would say it's kind of both, right? So it definitely is a marketing Mm -hmm. tool. And we can kind of see that, like, looking at the origins of it. So it's a really, really new genre, whether, you know, you think it is or isn't. It's emergence as a term (laughs) is a new thing. Yes. And actually, specifically, you can trace it back to a specific blog post by S.J. Jones in 2009, which does not exist anymore, but you can find with the Wayback Machine. Um, And I'll link all of the sources that I used to put this shit together in the uh, show notes so you guys can check it out at your leisure. There's some interesting videos and stuff in there if you guys want to take a look. Um, But this blog post uh, was written to announce a... Uh, contest. And this is, I'm just going to go ahead and read directly from this post. So it starts off, attention writers, St. Martin's Press is holding a contest for submissions. Yes, a contest hosted by yours truly to find books to publish. We are actively looking for great new cutting edge fiction with protagonists who are slightly older than YA and can appeal to an adult audience. Since 20 somethings are devouring (laughs) YA, St. Martin's Press is seeking fiction similar to YA that can be published and marketed as adult. A sort of an quote, older YA or, quote, new adult. Yes. So this is the first Mm -hmm. kind of, like, use of this term to mean this specific thing of books that are for the YA audience, but now they're older, so we have to age up the characters, too. Right. So kind of, like, laying it out like this, it's like, okay, this is just a marketing ploy, right? But this isn't really that different to how YA got started, uh, because the term young adult Mm -hmm. to describe YA fiction as a genre was, like, it wasn't a marketing team, but it was created by a librarian named Margaret Scoggin in the mid forties to, uh, be part of this push to find books that would appeal in to the forties. Yeah. In the forties. Mm-hmm. Um, because wow. I feel like I didn't really, sorry. I feel like no, I didn't really ahead. hear the term YA until like, I don't know the past 10 years, but maybe that's mm-hmm. just because YA has grown and changed so yes. much, but it's, it yes. felt like it was still, newer to me as well but I guess today I learned I think it it was a it's abbreviated a lot more as YA at the time it was part Mm. of a um a newspaper art or not article a newspaper column that she wrote and she changed it from again this is linked in the uh the description there's a video from PBS and Lindsay Ellis which goes over all of this and it's really a very very good like thorough uh breakdown of YA history but it's like she changed the title of her column from like boys or 
boys books for older boys and girls or something like that to books for young adults um and this was in the 40s because the idea of teenagers as a thing really kind of started popping off after world war ii right like the idea of teenagers as a distinct cohort that can be marketed to is something that wasn't really like a concern before this i'm kind of sad she changed it from ya though because like before bag is such a fun <laughs> acronym to say. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, so uh, publishers realized that they could market books to this audience um, and it started becoming more codified. Uh, and essentially why for a really long time was just like buildings, Roman type books, like coming of age books. Uh, so like, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more serious. And then in the late nineties, we have, Harry Potter and Harry Potter happens and why YA blows up into what it is now, which is, and I, that's not to say there wasn't genre YA before this one that we both enjoy very much. The Animorph series is generally considered <gasps> an early sci-fi YA, but it, it's still also a little bit more like middle grade. Uh, in the nineties mm. and two thousand starts branching out into this mega genre that encompasses all of these different subgenres. So we can kind of see that this is sort of what seems to be happening with new adult, uh, where it starts as a marketing term and then it gets like kind of picked up by authors. And in the case of new adult, this happened really, really quickly because it didn't super catch on with traditional publishing first. It caught on with EPUB and self-pub. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like Kindle Unlimited, I feel like is the big hub for new adult. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So new adult became like a term that was used by these self-publishers to describe these books that are romances set in college, usually, although some are late high school and some are post-school. Um, and they become super, super popular. Like basically as soon as they uh, kick off, which the new adult boom kind of started in 2012. Mm-hmm. And generally these have themes that are addressing issues like sexuality, independence, and increased responsibilities. And these two especially. Losing your kind virginity. Of, yeah, losing your virginity. Um, but these, the increased responsibilities <laughs> and independence especially are kind of what uh, separates this from YA is that there is a lack of parental oversight, right? Like in mm, YA, no holds barred. Yeah. Your parents are still there. You're still living at home and you're still under their control. And that's often like a big part of the tension and drama is kind of like dealing with that parent child relationship, right? That's not really a thing so much mm-hmm. in new adult. Like there might be, we saw that in this book. We saw that in the last book that we read too. Like there might be tensions between the parents and the main characters, but they aren't under the parents' control in the way that they are in young yeah. adult. So you like, have these like themes of be like relegated to a phone call. Well, yeah, <laughs> like learning to cope with your independence and like figuring out what the fuck you want to do with your life and what you're, career is Mm -hmm. going to be and whatnot. So it is different from adult because adult is usually people who are already established. Like you already have a job and you might even already have a wife or husband, but new (laughs) old adult, if you will. Yes. Old adult, the old adults already have their shit together and the new adults do not is essentially what this comes down to. Um, but you can also see as this adult crime, (laughs) You can see as the genres become more popular, it started branching around, branching out away from strictly romance into other genres, um, much like YA. So now that you ha- you have like 
new adult authors and new adult books that are doing genre fiction. So like Sarah J. Moss, um, Jay Kristoff, uh, has a few, um, I think the, the one series you like queen of the tearling is sometimes considered uh, new adult. Book. Oh, I love queen of the tearling and yes. it doesn't get enough recognition. Please read it. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's still kind of up for debate as to whether new adult is a useless distinction that is just being used in order to make people feel like they have to buy a certain thing or if it is, or to buy more things, I suppose. Um, or if it is actually helpful to label books that might be in these other genres, but are relevant to the anxieties experienced by 20 somethings as they leave the safety of their childhood homes and venture out into the world at large. Um, but end of the day, it's a new genre, this new adult, and we don't really know if it's going to stick around mm-hmm. or not, but right now. Yeah. I haven't heard as much about it lately. Yeah. So it's like, it might have been a flash in the pan. It might be on its way out. But personally, I do think that there are anxieties that are experienced by this age group that are distinct from other age groups, anxieties. I don't know if that's enough to like necessitate its own shelf at Barnes and Noble, but like, (laughs) I do think it's helpful to kind of have a term to describe it. Yeah, I can see that. I, um, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like the term chiclet, which I know a mm-hmm. lot of people don't like. And maybe it's now just called women's fiction. I don't know. I'm not really like hip to the lingo or anything. Um, but, you know, it's it's a umbrella for what could be a bunch of different kinds of books. Yeah. But you usually know what you expect when you're getting into it. Like you can you can that's something you can easily search for as opposed to like going into Google and being like books where the main character is between the ages of 18 and 28, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Um, but with all that being said, the book that we read this week was one of the, the earliest new adult books. It was in that push of the 2012 new adult. Um, and it's written by a pretty, I guess, prominent new adult author, Cora. I keep wanting to say Cora McCormick, but it's just Cora Carmack, right? (laughs) (laughs) McCormick Spices. Yeah, I think that's what I'm getting confused with. Yes. And this book is certainly spicy. Hot, hot, hot. Got him. The book is called Losing It. Yeah. So what'd you think? Um, So this book, and I said this before we started recording, um, but I'll say it again, just to be on Mm -hmm. the record, was everything I expected from this genre, um, and nothing really appealed to me. If I could be (laughs) critically honest here. Excellent. Excellent. How about you? What did you think? Um, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty typical romance. I was trying to like pinpoint the things that make it new adult. And I do think it is a pretty good example of new adult as a genre. Um, I, there were definitely some stuff I had problems with, but like in terms of, I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a romance set at college. It's fine. Yeah, it was it was fine, but it didn't really do anything to make me excited about continuing to read this genre. Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. I tried it. Um, it was certainly better than The Mister okay. for lots of reasons, mm-hmm. most of which is that it was shorter. <laughs> <laughs> and there was less sex slavery, which yeah, is Yeah, oh, plus. yeah, I forgot about all that. <laughs> No human trafficking in this one. Just mono. Mono everywhere. Um, so who would you recommend this book to? 
if you were to recommend it um, before we get into the the plot. Yeah, no, I think I would I would definitely recommend it for someone who is younger than me. I think this is a good book for okay. uh someone who's looking to kind of dip a toe into the romance genre and like you said isn't really into the whole like mm-hmm. Fabio um covered, you know, like mm. historic romance, the rake and the sexy lady, whatever, you know. Um <laughs> the rake and the duchess. Yes, yes, yeah. So like it's a cute contemporary romance that's really quick to read and especially if you're not familiar with romance in general or um new adult. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to add. So if you are someone who is interested, couldn't possibly interested in what we're going to discuss today, now would be the point where you would pause the podcast and really quickly read the book and then come back to hear us talk about it and possibly shit on it a little bit. (laughs) Maybe, maybe a tad. I will say, I think that like, this was a really good book for me for this podcast, because like I said, there's definitely stuff that I was like, this is dumb and stupid and I'm going to make fun of it. But like, I overall enjoyed the book. It wasn't the most offensive thing we've read for this podcast, for sure. Mm. Well, that's a that's a very very low bar to not be the most offensive thing. This is I mean, true. it is no. It wasn't save the pearls. Like, yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> oh my. Um. So yeah, let's just get into the meat of this book and talk about what it was about. Yes. Um, so Bliss is a senior in college, majoring in theater, and also a virgin. Ooh. Oh, no. She tells this fact to her BFF, Kelsey, who is like, girl, we got to get you late immediately. So they go to this bar called Stumble Inn, which was a bar that we had in Columbus when I was in college. <laughs> so I was like, cool. Um, and... They're going to go, they go with the goal of trying to pick up a guy for Bliss, and she runs into Garrick, a hottie with a body and a British accent, reading Shakespeare in the back of a college bar, like a super cool guy. (laughs) Okay, so we got to talk about, we got to talk about a couple things in this first scene already, which I would have interrupted already, except that my Kindle was loading because I accidentally had it open to the wrong thing. Um, And Mm. I was like, huh, this isn't what I, how I remember this book going. Oh, it's a different book. That's why. Um. (laughs) First off, Bliss Edwards' name is insane and definitely influenced by Twilight, number one. Yes. Number two, I really like the part where it was like her getting ready for going to this bar. Her friend's like, your outfit isn't slutty enough. You need to change. And she like checks her outfit and it's like an A-line skirt and a tank that shows some cleavage. And like (laughs) her friend's like, you look like a... You look like a someone's little sister. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's a skirt and a tank top. Like, because it's A-line. I, I don't think A-line is particularly, like, childish, no. right? Like, but I was like, that's weird. But I guess they're going to get her into, like, some, like, leather pants <laughs> and, like, bustier. And that's it. Nothing else. Nope. You know, like Denim capris. <laughs> yes. I was like, okay. It's, it's literally... It says some tight, low-rise denim capris and a lacy black tank top. And it's like, okay, you are already wearing a tank top, though. Yeah. Why is this? Because it has lace on it? And you're wearing, you're capris. wearing denim capris. I, That's not sexy. What no, are you talking about? I had to Google. I was like, okay, denim capris 2019. 
And then I was like, oh, no, this was, like, mm-hmm. way before then. So then I had to Google denim capris 2012. And either way, like, mm-hmm. that's not something you wear with the intent of, like, going out to get some D. <laughs> that's, like, what you wear to, like, a Sunday brunch with your grandma. Yes. Because, like, it's hot out. And your grandmother is like very conservative and doesn't want to see your knees. Like <laughs> just the ankles. <laughs> just ankles only. And even that is a little offensive. Yes. You better be wearing some socks folded down, your little your white <laughs> cotton socks and some tennies. Uh. Jesus. But yeah, so she meets this guy at the bar and he's, as you said, reading Shakespeare, which gets into like this really awesome conversation about if Shakespeare's good or not, which, like, what the fuck ever. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it wasn't Romeo and Juliet. I just want to be like, there are other playwrights out there. And I know that, like, Shakespeare Mm -hmm. is kind of the signal Mm -hmm. for, like, whoa, English nerd alert. But, like... Right. Come on, guys. But she, like, gets turned on by the fact it's Shakespeare. And that's upsetting. That's really weird to me. I feel like she had a hard-on for Willie. Yes. I feel like a lot of times these, like, when books are trying to signal that someone's super smart, they're like, they really love this one author, this one old-timey author, and they just really love this one. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, people aren't generally, like, even if you are an English lit nerd and really like reading old shit for whatever fucking reason. Like you're not going to be like, I just love Shakespeare and only Shakespeare. And I haven't read any of his contemporaries, I guess. Um, (laughs) So that was weird. But then, like you said, it's not Romeo and Juliet. Instead, her favorite play is Othello. And then we get treated to like this really cool, super great conversation about whether or not Desdemona deserved getting murdered. Yeah. (laughs) Complete with just like, quotes all over the place yes but like garrick is like sometimes i think desdemona wasn't as innocent as she led on and it's like based on what (laughs) like having read othello based on what like what are you talking about and then she's like the fact that bliss was wearing capris and a lacy tank top not as innocent as she would have wanted to come off yes and the bartender was flirting with her and so that made Garrick jealous and he's like ooh maybe she's trying to make me jealous but then like she says something about like oh communication is key uh it would have solved a lot of their problems if Desdemona had just communicated and it's like no opposite guys it's opposite it's Othello who was bad at communication what are you guys reading (laughs) why are we blaming Desdemona for getting murdered what is it was all her fault honestly she was asking for it she shouldn't have been wearing those sexy capris. That's why her husband murdered her. I know. Honestly, that's like the number one reason that women were killed back in the day is because their denim capris were too sexy. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Anyway, Garrick and Bliss hit it off immediately and start making out at the bar. And Garrick's like, let's go back to my place. And so they get on his little motorcycle. And guess what? They live in the same apartment complex, just a building over from each other. Which to me, this is nightmare territory. This is oh where God, I'm like, yes. no, I'm I'm good, actually. I'd be like, actually, we can't do this anymore because I'm going to have to see you probably most days of the week afterwards, whether or not we continue this relationship. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, if this doesn't go well, you can fully Desdemona me. Like, you have the <laughs> True, ability because no. you live next door. True. 
But I guess to her credit, she was going to keep it quiet until she burned her leg up real bad. So mm. she, like, as she's getting off Garrick's motorcycle, I guess she just, like, presses her leg up on the exhaust pipe. Um, and... Yeah. I, in her denim capris. In her denim capris. That must have been coverage. shorter than I thought. They were treading into Bermuda short territory, <laughs> which... Whew, watch out. <laughs> See this this made perfect sense to me as a tall person because I was like, yeah, of course, capris barely cover your knees, if that. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, how much skin was there even there to be burned because my capris go to right above my ankle. <laughs> so, instead of getting sexy at Garrick's apartment, she's like, "Owie, take me home to my place so we can treat my burn." And they do, and some clothes come off and they're having a very sexy se- and they're having a very sexy situation in her bed with some kissing and petting. A sexy situation. Necking. <laughs> but this is great. Bliss freaks out in the middle of this session. And <laughs> instead of telling Garrick she is a virgin, which would have been a totally fine and appropriate thing to do, she lies and says she has to go pick up her cat, which she doesn't have. At a 24-hour emergency vet clinic um, at midnight. And she rushes out of her apartment wearing no shoes, socks, or shirt. And then just hides behind some trash cans or something until she sees Garrick leave her apartment, which takes him (laughs) 10 minutes to do. Okay, and you said, like, instead of just telling him that she was a virgin, it's like... That's one option. She could have been mature and been like, hey, I haven't done this before. Like, let's slow down. I'm a little freaked out. Let's slow down for a second. That's one option. Another option would have been to, because she's like, I have to tell him this thing. It's like, you could have just not, is the thing. You could have just not told him. Because, like, virginity is kind of a made-up thing anyway. And, like, you're 22. Your hymen's probably busted from riding on that motorcycle. Like, <laughs> you just broke okay. it right then. You lost uh, your virginity to that motorcycle. <laughs> didn't know. Pretty unlikely that, like, he they're going to do it. And she's just going to start bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, like, she could have just not told him. I mean, like, that's not ideal in terms of being super open and whatever. But this is kind of the ideal if you are trying to lose your virginity. Very true. Like, this guy is raring to go. Yeah. He, he thinks he thinks you're drunk anyway. A, a little drunk, yeah. not like creepy <laughs> levels. But So if like you do start like just bleeding out and he's like, fuck, you're a virgin, you can be like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot to mention because I'm a little bit drunk and it's not going to be a big deal. Yeah. Like, Or third option. Why are you? <laughs> third option, she could have just been like, hey, we just met. Let's not do P and V. Let me give you a handy instead. Like, right. And that was, that was the thing that I really missed from this book because it was like this big deal that she was a virgin and whatever. Uh-huh. And of course that's spoiler alert. That's what it's leading up to is eventually she's no longer a virgin in this book. She's losing it. Like it doesn't really address the fact that you can do other stuff. Besides, yes. If you're like anxious about that one thing, like, Maybe, I don't know. I thought that that might be what this book ended up being was like a bunch of sex scenes of like, okay, she learns to Me give him a hand too, like, job and she gives it. him a blow job and she gets eaten out. Like, yes. But it's just like, nah. Garrick doesn't orgasm until the end of this book. Right. And neither does she, right? Like, she's. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I think so. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe like address in any way the fact that like virginity isn't this big, huge deal. Like it is and it isn't like it's like it's a big deal to like be intimate with someone for the first time. But it's like the actual like emphasis on P and V as like this threshold that cannot be uncrossed. Like who cares? And that's why I I had such a huge problem with the friend Kelsey because there's just like a couple Mm -hmm. of instances in this book where she tries to force her lifestyle and her ideologies on bliss. I'm just like, if you were really a friend, like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like you wouldn't, uh, uh, the the first thing that would occur to you after your friends like, Hey, I'm still a virgin. Shouldn't be. Let's undo that. (laughs) Right. Or like if your friend doesn't want to go out dancing and you force her to go out dancing with you and then you get mad because when you get to the bar, she doesn't want to dance. Like that's stupid too. (laughs) Or like if your friend's like, I'm still a virgin and you're like, let's fix it. Which that's like a buck wild thing to think is like, we need to fix your virginity. Like that's weird. But, um, and then your friend is like, I don't know. I'm just not really interested in any guys and be like, what are you gay? Like, okay, (sighs) cool. (laughs) Super cool. Number one, if she is, maybe don't call her out on it yeah. like that because she probably wants to come out in her own time. Number two, if she's not, like, there's a lot of other reasons that one could not want to have sex with people aside from the gender thing. It could be because she doesn't want to get pregnant and she's, yep. like, nervous about birth control. It could be, like, she just doesn't feel like it. She could be asexual. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know and you're, like, making these weird assumptions about it. Kelsey was a terrible Kelsey friend. was not good at all and I didn't like her. I think that that was kind of one of the things about this whole book is the whole time I just wanted to be like, who the fuck cares about any of this? Like, just have sex with him or not. Like, I understand the hesitation once we find out who Garrick is. But before then, just do or don't. Yes. (laughs) Fine. Well, and honestly, I thought this was going to be in that direction because she's like, she keeps saying stuff. And I shouldn't have expected this because it was 2012 and this wouldn't have been a thing at the time. But like. Mm -hmm. Not like that it wasn't a thing, but this wouldn't have been in a super popular romance book that kicked off a genre at in 2012, you know, um, mm-hmm. that I thought that uh, Bliss was asexual because she kept like mm. saying stuff like, oh, I I like the idea of no longer being a virgin, but I don't want to have sex. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I don't she's, like that loss of control. Yeah. Or just, she's like not interested in it. She like a yeah. lot of time. And I, I get that what this ends up being is she just needs the right guy, which is also bonkers. <laughs> yes. But like, I don't know, especially in this scene where it's like, she's making out with this guy who she is attracted to, but then she's like, oh no, I just don't want to do this, which is fine. But it's like, I don't know. I felt like, I I guess I felt like it was promoting this idea that women or, and I guess Kelsey's kind of meant to be like the anti this so that she's slutty. Cause she has big boobs. Um, <laughs> well, no, I'm saying that like Kelsey's supposed to be like, Oh, it's fine to go out and have sex and have fun. Oh, and yeah. bliss is like, it's also fine to not do that. And to she want not a good an ally. intimate connection with your partner. Right. And it's like, those things are both fine, but the way that bliss is written, it didn't, it didn't seem to me like bliss was waiting for the right guy for most of this book. It seemed like she just wasn't interested in that at all. Like she, she just, just wanted to make care. it. It wasn't on her radar. Right. And that's completely valid. Yeah. Kelsey's trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next day bliss lies to Kelsey about having sex with Garrick, which is very cool. <laughs> Good friends. Yes. 
It's the first day of class. And guess who their new theater teacher is? The new adjunct in the theater department is Garrick. Oh my god. Because of course these nerds are theater majors. Exactly. As a former theater kid, I was like, oh man, I lived these hijinks in high school. And even then I was like, wow, we are insufferable. And I need to stop behaving in this (laughs) manner. (laughs) Stop behaving in that manner post high school. But like... Uh I will say the theater kids in this book, although they are theater majors in college, not theater high schoolers, but they are exactly as terrible as I expect theater kids to be. Oh, yeah. It felt it felt very authentic to me. But again, like I would have authentic in a high school setting, not a college setting. Mm. No, I mean, I still think it's authentic because I think that college theater majors are very similar to high school theater kids. I think it's just the ones that don't grow out of that, like, oh, we're a found family and I'm so quirky and weird and we're going to... I'm going to sing Music Man in public. Yes, like we're going to behave in ways that are like socially awkward and like kind of rude to other people around you. Like there's a scene where they're all at the bar and she's like... We all didn't care that we were being incredibly rude to the other patrons and yelling across the bar. We did it anyway. I'm like, okay, so you know you're terrible. Like We're just in theater. <laughs> we're so quirky. The muses move us. Like, okay, chill the fuck out. <laughs> I just have a personality that belongs on the stage. <laughs> so... <laughs> Bliss and Garrick have a little freak out. They're like, oh man, we got to keep things kind of professional. Let's just forget it happened. Okay. But, you know, they still are like, our eyes met and the air around us sizzled. So y'all know how well that's going to go. There is a lot of eye-related talking in this one where it's like, our eyes met and I felt that he wanted this. I'm like, I have never, ever looked any other human being in the eyes and been able to get like... Any sort of, besides, like, maybe they're angry or maybe they're, like, (laughs) horny. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, anything aside from that, you're going to need to, like, say words. Maybe I'm just stupid. You need to talk louder with your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Really? Em, I didn't know that about you. Wow. Those are some expressive (laughs) eyes. And you got the brows in there, too? That's a whole nother level. <laughs> Very good for our audio format. Your eyes, Garrick, your eyes say come hither, but your eyebrows say stay away. <laughs> I'm so confused, Garrick. What do I do? <laughs> Just have sex. It's fine. Well, not anymore. Now that he's your teacher, you guys yeah. shouldn't have sex. Which, this is a good boundary. But can we talk about, for a second, the fact that Garrick, Garrick, okay. Garrick. (laughs) Garrick. Um, I don't know where exactly they're supposed to be in Texas, so I don't know if it's like a big city or if it's just supposed to be a small college town, but I got the vibe that it was like, it's a like he's on campus when they first meet, right? Like it's like a bar near campus and he is a teacher at that school at this point. It's like, I get that he thought that she was older because of like the one thing that she said that kind of implied that she might've already graduated, but not really. I feel like it is part of your responsibility as any type of professor. If you are at a bar that you know 
is, and he knows this because he went to school there. If you're at a bar that is typically inhabited by college students, you need to do your due diligence and make sure that you're not about to fuck a college student, especially one that's in your class. And also he fully, he fully had the class roster at this time. And I'm not saying you should know every single person in your class, but like, <laughs> but he glanced Bliss. at that and saw there was a bitch named Bliss, <laughs> like a hundred percent. You cannot tell me that he didn't notice there was a yes. bitch named Bliss in his class. And then he goes to a college bar on a college campus at the college he's teaching at and meets someone named Bliss and isn't like, oh, wait, pump the brakes. <laughs> Hold on. This must be a really popular name now in this part of Texas. There's lots of Blisses right. running around. <laughs> So many blisses. <laughs> oh, so blissful. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, Bliss has another best friend named Cade, who is a guy, which I didn't realize for like an embarrassing length of time. <laughs> I was like, cool, they're gonna like, and I don't know if I just like glazed over the pronouns or what, but I was like, wow, they're having like this female friendship that maybe they're going to like delve into a you non-heterosexual fool. relationship, but no. You it idiot. You absolute dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I was um. almost certain that um, Cade was going to be gay because I was like, this is mm, a stereotypical gay theater major. Um, so, I mean, like, I was pleasantly surprised that he wasn't actually, but then I was unpleasantly surprised that this was leading to a dumb, stupid love triangle that was nothing and went nowhere it was the only reason he wasn't gay (laughs) right um so the two of them go out to get coffee together and of course they run into garrick who assumes the two of them are dating but this isn't revealed until like a little bit later in the book when he's being all possessive over bliss even though he and bliss are in a relationship and it's just very gross also it wasn't revealed but it was also super obvious because it was like cade was like all over bliss all the time And it's like, yeah, obviously, if you saw that, you would be like, oh, this is a couple. They behave exactly like a couple, despite not being a couple for reasons. Yeah, they do a lot of kissing for people who are just best friends. Kissing on the forehead. Yeah, that's an intimate one. Like, kissing on the cheek, okay. Yeah. Especially if you're saying hello or goodbye. I can get beyond that. But forehead kisses are very special. Forehead kisses, I'm pretty sure the only people that I would kiss on the forehead outside of a like sexual relationship would be like a small child who has hurt themselves Mm -hmm. on the forehead by running into a wall number one Mm -hmm. and number two my dying mentor who has been shot by like seven arrows from like the attack oh my god yes and now they're like laying and dying dying, and they're like giving me some Mm-hmm. And they're giving me like some victory speech, like you need to keep fighting. And I'm like, I will fight on for yes. you. And then I forehead kiss them as they die. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And I the rain starts ever... pouring. Yes. 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 And then I shoot the orcs because of and course. You're like, you're yeah. like I'll avenge you, sensei. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're mixing our media there a little bit, I think. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantasy anime. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time forehead kisses are permissible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so 
sorry. No, I just like have this mental image then of like the character stands up and they do that like shoulder shaking thing and the bad guy's like, ha ha ha, they're crying, but actually you're laughing and then you turn around and you kill the bad guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's become a whole thing in my head now. <laughs> Uh, so after getting coffee, Cade goes to drop Liz off at her apartment, but his car won't start. And Garrick sees this, and the decision is made that Cade will walk home because he lives real close by because he still lives on campus as a senior in college. Well, he's an RA. Oh, okay. I totally missed that part. Yeah. I was like, why would you choose to live in expensive on-campus housing? <laughs> nah, free housing, man. <laughs> uh, but Garrick gives Bliss a ride home, and then they say goodnight. Like, nothing happens. This scene was kind of stupid. I just included it in the summary because Cade, I had to introduce him. (laughs) Okay. I don't typically like to ship non-canon ships because I generally am like, well, whatever the characters want is, should Mm. be like, I'm not saying like non-canon ships. Like, like if the, if the character is in a canon ship by the end of the book, I'm like, their choice should be respected, even though they're fictional. Right. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. generally I like to ship whatever ship ends up being the one that sails. Okay. But I was really kind of like, it should be Kate and Bliss, right? Like, this yeah, book should be Kate should and be Bliss. Yeah, it should be a boy-next-door romance, not a hot-for-teacher one. Like, the boy-next-door who supports you through your really shitty and ill-advised fling with your drama teacher. <laughs> oh, yike. <sighs> Poor Kate. This is definitely one of those books where I was like, I'm okay with the relationship because it is in her point of view. And I know that she does want it, but like, mm-hmm. if it was not, if it was like third person or something, I would be super grossed out by it because yeah. like, he needs to chill. Yes. Garrick is so like, he, he aggressively pursues bliss throughout this, even though she has several times said, I don't want mm-hmm. this. I want it to stay professional. And Garrick just completely ignores her at some points and just like kisses her in public when she's deaf. Mm-hmm. when she's definitely uncomfortable about it. Garrick was not great. I think we're about to get to it. The scene where they're doing like uh, practice auditions. Yes. And yes. she's partnered with this guy who's like a big jerk type guy. And during the scene, the jerk guy decides to like start kit. Cause it's from streetcar named desire. Mm-hmm. And it's the pre rape scene. And the guy decides to just start making out with Bliss on stage, mm-hmm. which Bliss is like not cool with. And wasn't expecting. So Garrick, who's their teacher, uh, pulls the other guy off of her and is like, Don't, you never should do that without checking first. Like, you need to talk to your scene partner. Yes. You can't just do shit like that. And I was like, Yeah, good. A discussion about consent. Excellent. And then, like, uh huh, maybe Dom will learn, but probably not. The scene after that, like, Garrick is like, kisses her without asking or checking to make sure if it's cool. And I'm like, yes. Okay. (laughs) Do you not get that? The thing that you just said about like doing this in a play also applies to real life. (laughs) Practice what you preach Garrick, but it's okay. Cause he, he loves her or he will grow to love her and he really wants to have sex with her. So it's fine. I suppose. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Bliss breaks off the kits and they again promise to keep things professional. <laughs> mm. Wink. Mm. Not. 
So anyway, their play that year or the semester is the Greek tragedy Phaedra, which um, from the little this book told me about it and I was too lazy to look it up, is the story of a woman who falls in love with her stepson. And Bliss is able to channel a ton of this like forbidden love energy into her audition and she lands the part. She's like, no one else is even considered. It is just hers. Callbacks, uh uh-uh, not for Bliss. (laughs) um and the male role has some callbacks and she has to like go and help out with them but eventually Cade lands the lead role for the male not the step no it is the stepson yeah he gets the stepson's role yeah but anyway before that's all decided in order to celebrate auditions being over the theater kids go out to a bar and get absolutely wasted which is the scene where (laughs) em was talking about they were just like yelling and disrupting everyone else and all the other patrons it was fine and on the way home, well, actually, <laughs> I meant to m- I mention this in the beginning, and I totally forgot. But, like, the amount of alcohol they drink in each of these, yes. like, drinking sessions is alarming to me. And maybe mm-hmm. I just don't remember what college is like. But in the first scene, when they go to the bar for Bliss to find someone to have sex with, she immediately takes four shots of tequila and then drinks two Jack and Cokes, all in the space right. of, like maybe 30 minutes to an hour i don't know it was all very like and i'm just like girl you that's not conducive to having sex like you are gonna go home with someone who is not safe for you but luckily the story isn't written that way but like that's dangerous (laughs) yeah and i mean like like you said i don't know maybe it's just like i don't really remember being like that young and having that i'm I'm acting like i'm in my 50s i'm 28 but like i don't remember (laughs) you know when i was of a drinking like going out and drinking lifestyle which I wasn't ever really like super into but you and know. it was still exciting to do and not yeah like occasionally a hangover waiting to happen yeah right like I don't I never I don't think I ever drank that much that quickly like definitely I would you know like four shots to mix drinks over the course of a party that's normal I feel mm-hmm. like uh, but like four shots to mixed drinks in the course of 30 minutes, like girlfriends should be on the floor. Like maybe I just have a low tolerance. Honestly, I was like, how is she still walking and carrying on a conversation about Othello? Like <laughs> what's going on? Like, I wonder if this is somewhat <laughs> just like biased narrator where like, this is what, cause there is a part in that first bit where when she gets on the motorcycle, she just starts like reciting Shakespeare. And I assumed when she said, Oh, when yeah. she said that she meant like she was thinking it in her head, but then he's like, oh, he like comments on it. He's like, oh, you really do like Shakespeare, huh? So like maybe she is a lot more wasted than it seems. <laughs> the whole conversation was actually, I read Shakespeare. This is moment. She's real cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> go back to your place, scare. But that also... <laughs> puts a very negative light on Garrick. So he was super into it. He bought her another drink. Mm-hmm. He was like, we need to get Keep more going. alcohol into you, girl. Which is why I was like, he seems again, because of the way it wraps up and because it's from her perspective, I'm like, he's fine. I can buy him as a romantic hero. But if this was told to me, if someone recounted this to me, like from if like Kelsey came to me and was like, so me and my friend Bliss went to the bar last night. We got there. She's looking to hook up with a guy. Um, she did like four shots and like two two Jack and Cokes and um she ran into this guy, he bought her another drink and um 
they went home together. Oh, it turns out he's a professor. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Kelsey, you should have stopped Why did you let Bliss go with him? He puts, what are you doing? You're a terrible friend. Bad friend. He was preying on her. For sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Kelsey's not good. No, Kelsey needs to be stopped. (laughs) Hashtag Kelsey did everything wrong. Kelsey was the worst. Uh, so they go out and get like super wasted again. Hours and hours of drinking. And on the way home, they run into Garrick. I guess he's just wandering the streets at 2 a.m. I don't know why they ran into him. Because um, they stayed until last call. I think they're like getting out at her apartment and he lives at his at the apartment. So I think like they were being loud and he came oh, out to I see. Oh, I thought... <laughs> I misread it. I thought he just, like, wandered over to them, like, just on the way between. He was, like, going somewhere and then turned around and went back with them. I didn't understand. Anyway, apparently they got home and Garrick was there. They were, like, outside of her apartment and he was, like, outside of his apartment. Probably because they were being fucking loud and he was like, what's going on? Like, Probably. (laughs) Oh, sounds like those theater kids. Um, He (laughs) helps escort Bliss home because she is extremely drunk. And then she's like, stay with us and drink, which even if you weren't interested in sleeping with your teacher, like, that's such a weird thing to ask a teacher. Why would he want to stay and get drunk with his students? Uh, um, but then the theater kids all decide to play spin the bottle because, of course, they do. And they're all making out with each other, which will become important later. Yes. To be clear, Garrick does not take her up on the offer. He does dip. He doesn't stay to party. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, gotta go. <laughs> you guys are really annoying right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, hmm, let me see. Do I want to hang out with a bunch of drunk theater majors? No, thanks. I'm good. I did this. One of which is underage. Mm. Like, <laughs> that could get you into a little bit of trouble as a teacher. Maybe. He's like, no, this is, I will get fired. Uh, so the important thing that happens this night is that Cade and Bliss kiss. And it is very intense on Cade's part i think bliss is probably just like drunk but um the next morning like everyone comments up like "Ooh, get a room then the next morning kate admits that he has feelings for bliss and she isn't sure how she feels so she's like maybe someday i will also have feelings for you (laughs) and things are very awkward from then on i will say i think that the whole i i i was okay with how this was handled i think because i think that Mm mm-hmm it was pretty realistic that Bliss was like, I am not really sure how I feel because you just sprang this on me. Like, I was like, that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, you you would have to go think about it probably unless you were like in love. Yeah. And you knew yeah. that and you were secretly pining, which she's not. So like, that's a fair point to be like, I got to think about this. Um, and I also think it was fair that when Bliss was mm-hmm. essentially like, well, I this is getting a little ahead, but when Bliss was like, I'm taking back my maybe I don't want to like be a romantic couple with you that he was like, that's cool. I don't really want to hang out then. Cause like I am in love with you and that yeah. would be painful. Cause like I get that that could be read as a little bit friend zone but I feel like friend zone generally is more like a guy becomes friends with a girl specifically in order to get in her pants and then is like annoyed when she doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in this, it was like, why can't I ascend? Right. Like I feel like this was more like they were friends. Kate developed feelings. She wasn't into it. And Kate mm-hmm. was like, I need to do what's best for me, which unfortunately means I can't hang out with you right now. Cause like it sucks for me. And I think that everybody was yes. pretty respectful of others feelings, but then it like blew up into all this drama. And I was like, why? Yes. That was my issue is like, 
they handled it maturely in the moment. And then, like, as soon as he had some time to, like, reflect on it, he got pissed. Mm -hmm. And then somehow. he must have, like, gone around and talked shit to everybody else. Yes. And we know it wasn't Bliss because we're inside her head. So Cade went and was, like, telling everybody, Bliss, guess what? Doesn't love me. Let's all be mad at her. And everyone takes Cade's side, which, like, bullshit. He's the one that sprang these feelings on her. Why is she also to blame just because she, whatever, piss me off. <laughs> maybe, maybe Cade didn't tell everybody else. Maybe Bliss told Kelsey and Kelsey told everybody else. Because <laughs> Kelsey's the worst. Probably, probably. Kelsey's like, listen, this bitch that didn't go dancing with me, <laughs> guess what she did? Uh, <laughs> but before that happens, Garrick tells Bliss that he doesn't care that he's her teacher and he wants to pursue a relationship with her, which, Okay but also like she has said she doesn't want to whatever i'm not entirely creeped out by this because i'm like okay they are consenting adults she's 22 and he's like what 26 or something like that i think so like it's not like there's a huge age gap they're both adults they it's not like they've had a long-standing like power dynamic going on i guess so he just started teaching her recently they knew each other they technically knew each other before she found out how he was teacher. Like, so it's not like, oh, I've been teaching you since you were a freshman and now you're almost about to graduate and I want to get with you or something like that. So it wasn't it wasn't the worst use of this trope of like hot for teacher. Um, but there still are power dynamics at play, I think. Yes. And I think my problem with hot for teacher is always just the fact that my husband is a college professor. And so all of these things are gross yeah. to me. <laughs> Get your grubby hands off my man. <laughs> you new adult. He doesn't want new. He wants seasoned prime adult. <laughs> so Garrick is going to come over for dinner that night to talk about this relationship he wants to be in with Bliss. And so she's like, shit, I got to go adopt that cat that I told him I had. So she goes to get a cat and she takes, because she still doesn't want to reveal that she's a virgin. She doesn't want to be like. As much as like the virgin thing is stupid, I really did appreciate the hijinks in this book. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad she followed through and wasn't just like, oh, my cat died. But no, she actually went and she got a cat, which is, you know, for cat life. She didn't, she didn't like give him back after the story was over. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't want to reveal that she's a virgin. So she goes and she adopts an animal to take care of when. She's already so terrible at taking care of herself, it seems like. But Cade tags along, and <laughs> while adopting the cat, she tells Cade that she takes back her maybe because she doesn't have feelings for him, and in fact, she has feelings for someone else. And then he gets upset and begins to ignore her because it hurts too much to be around her, which we already went over. And then apparently he went and talked shit, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett goes over to Bliss's house that evening for dinner, and... He didn't ask her what she wanted for dinner, so he brings pizza and a burger and salad. Just <laughs> like no, what? that's that's relatable. I like that. I'm into that. You like? <laughs> Listen, I've I've <laughs> long stated that my modus operandi when I go to a fast food place is to go and order two meals and just get two drinks with it so I can pretend that I'm taking it home to somebody else to share. And really, it's just for me. <laughs> or, like, when I order food, uh-huh. I'll, like, definitely get, like, because I like having options. Yeah, okay. Well, then, so do you, like, eat half of each 
meal and then save the other halves for later? Yeah, like I won't like down them both right at that second. Like I'll definitely save some for later. But yeah. like, no, I'm like not trying to out you or food shame you. <laughs> no, you can. It's fine. I'm a garbage person. Um, no, or like if people, if I'm ordering food, I'll do the thing where I like pretend that there are other people in my home to justify the number of pizzas I've gotten. Do you give like unnecessary information? Yeah, I've just got like three friends over and their names are Steve, Greg, and Lisa. And they're, and they all like really different things on their pizzas. So these are the ones I want. No, no but I'll be like, like, I'll open the door and like, be like, oh, hey, what's up? And then like, I'll like look over my shoulder and like, do a little like nod like yeah yeah I'm getting the pizzas to like an invisible person who's not there (laughs) I love it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, hold on I'll be right back (laughs) good joke yeah yeah hold on pizza guy (laughs) or if the pizza guy is like oh like set engages me in any sort of conversation and I'm like if they're like Oh yeah, got your food hot and fresh for you. I'll be like, oh yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. You got our tip, right? <laughs> Me and my thirty best friends back here. <laughs> Would you like their names? I can give you their names. <laughs> my raging but silent party. <laughs> it's one of those silent dance parties where we're all listening to the same song in our headphones. Mm-hmm. So I oh, appreciated man. Garrick's move here. I think it was the right call. <laughs> I just don't I feel like the burger would have been in a bad state at that point though I'm just imagining like soggy bun I do feel like it's weird that he must have gone to different restaurants right because it's like yeah pizza yeah. yes salad yes it should have been like pizza pasta and salad should have been the thing and that would have made yes. sense but like that the burger sense. is a yeah. bit of an outlier <laughs> Unless he was like DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats all rolled up at the same time from all the different places he told them to get some food. <laughs> and then he made them fight for their tip. Yes. He just he just threw like 20 singles out the door. I was like, go get it. <laughs> Scramble for it, plebes. I'm going to go fuck my student. <laughs> it makes him feel big and strong. <laughs> Oh, man. I like that Garrick much better than I like real Garrick. Soft boy Garrick. Yeah. So they end up talking and making out and start having a se- start having a secret relationship that consists of just sneaking over to each other's apartments and having dinner. And Bliss is like, we have to go slow because I don't want to tell you I'm a virgin. So they do. All they do is kiss. And, like, Garrick takes her so literally that he even, like, kisses her slowly. Like, he won't he won't kiss with any passion. He's just like. Which I don't know what that means. I don't know. Like, like I, I imagine, like, just mouth to mouth, no tongue. Well, because just they like, keep saying mm. slow. Like, the pace is actually slow. So I'm just like, is he just, like, gradually smooshing his like lips across her lips like rolling his mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get, I get oh in romance God. novels when they say like oh they move slow or they move you know like move fast like in a general sense but when it's like applied to a very specific movement it's like a kiss is a kiss. Like, I don't know how much you can slow that down without it being comical. Yeah. 
without being just smearing your lips on somebody. Right. Like, at what point is it no longer a kiss and it is, like, just headbutting? Like, at what point? Is it, uh. is it headbutting with your chin? Like, what's... When, it, when does it become... We mashed our bodies together in a right. languid motion. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Stupid filler stuff happens, but the important thing is the rehearsals for the play are going terribly because things are super awkward between Cade and Bliss. Um, And so Bliss walks in on Garrick reprimanding Cade for not being able to put his feelings for Bliss aside for the sake of acting. And Bliss gets all pissy with Garrick for butting into her business. (laughs) For the craft. (laughs) And and the two of them just kind of break up in front of Cade, but like on the DL with very loaded phrases that aren't like, we're breaking up. On the worst DL ever, because Kate immediately goes, oh, that was the guy you were dating? Yes, and then he promises not to tell anybody. Which. <laughs> so after that, rehearsals go a little bit better, because I guess, like, Kate and Bliss come to an understanding of, like, let's try to work on being friends again, because this sucks, and we were always friends first. And we work really well as friends. Um, so they, they try to work on it and rehearsals go a little bit better, but then one of the cast members announces that he has mono and basically everyone that played spin the bottle is at risk of getting mono, including bliss, which then extends to Garrick because they make out. I am not lying. This was my favorite part of this book. This entire like segment from the twist of, oh no, everybody has mono. I was like, excellent. Yes, this is perfect. Thank you so much. Yes. And then- through, because I thought it was going to be that was going to be how it was revealed was like Garrick got mono and then like the the professor of their department was like wait how did you get mono from these children which like, one of them did you kiss it didn't go that way but it did also go into a different direction which is my one of my absolute favorite romance tropes which might have been the thing that took this book from me being like eh, it's fine to being like no I enjoyed this book which is nursing a sick person and the sick person is in love with you, but they don't know that you love them back. There's a lot of just like the sick mm. person being like, oh, I I must be delirious. He'd never care for me in this way. Like, it's so stupid and so choice. Yes. I love it so I much. I wish he was really here and not just a figment of my imagination. A, a fever dream. <laughs> Some sick hallucination. This is like a good way to get the stakes up without the stakes actually being up. And also it's like a fun way to show them caring for each other in a non-sexual way because it's like nobody wants to yeah. make out with someone who's puking. So like they must really like each other. A hundred percent. Yes, it was true love. So yeah, I guess what Bliss gets mono and I guess passes out outside of her apartment. And so Garrett goes to take care of her and then he gets mono while he's taking care of her. And so she nurses him back to health. And so then the good. two of them are just like very sick together for a whole week. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> I thought that, I don't know. I feel like it was a little bit too cheesy for me in this instance of mono. I don't know. No, I loved it. I have absolutely no complaints about this part of the book. It's like, everybody's allowed to have a couple of those, right? Like, romance tropes in general are cheesy, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, like, the shared bed, like, oh, we got a hotel room, and uh uh-oh, there's only one bed, we have to share it. I always think that usually comes across as cheesy, but I know that a lot of people really like that trope. 
this is that trope for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm just like, look, I get that it's cheesy, but I just love when people take care of sick people. I don't know. Maybe I have like a nightingale fetish or something. Like, I don't know. But I just love oh, yeah. when sick people take care of each other <laughs> in, in romance. You should be a candy striper. Mm. During the war, you've missed your calling. You're born in the wrong decade. That was like a, a one of the plot lines in Sex in the City, right? Where like... Uh, Mr. Big has a heart attack and then she's like has to take care of him and that's when I was like on board with that (laughs) them the most I was like yes perfect (laughs) love that shit now (laughs) Uh, um, anyway the mono helps bring them back together Mm-hmm. because they weren't talking for like it was like a month or two i think they weren't talking but the mono the mono did its work and they fall in love again and bliss finally admits that she is a virgin and garrick is like Whew, i thought i was going crazy because i thought there was something you thought that was wrong with me and that's why you didn't want to have sex with me because it was something wrong with me <laughs> Just like, you guys are so dumb <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it's resolved. (laughs) (laughs) Opening out of the play is pushed back a week because everyone is sick. But when it does finally open, Bliss acts her little heart out and she gives the best performance of her life. And also she loses her virginity to Garrick that night and they have a sex. (laughs) And Bliss says, I'm thinking about moving to Philly after college because that's where... You lived before you came here to teach and you still have an apartment there for some reason. And (laughs) um, you told me it was a good place to go if I wanted to be into theater, but not go all the way to New York, because I guess maybe I'm just not that good. (laughs) I I appreciate that level of realism. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, maybe not New York or L.A., but like Philly. That's a good in between. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he says that we'll move in together. So they do. And then the epilogue is six months later. Bliss has a lead role, and she's Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Garrick is playing Mr. Bingley. And basically, he just plans to propose to her sometime in the near future. But because I guess Bliss likes to overthink things, and he doesn't want her to freak out if and when he does propose, he hides the ring in a place that he knows Bliss is going to look. And then she sees it, and she's like, oh my god. And she's like silently freaking out and doing a dance and stuff. And he's like, yay, that means she wants to marry me too. (laughs) Which like, okay. You could have just talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like here's, here's one option. You can hide the ring in a place and then have an elaborate, like, sir, because it's not just, like, a place that she would look. It's actually a place she wouldn't look. It's in one of his drawers. And then he's like, oh, oh that's I think right. maybe I put the cat toy in there. You should, like, check there. So she, like, goes to look in there and then finds the ring. So it's like he has to, like, have this <laughs> weird, like, escape room-esque situation so where, like, the clues lead to the other clues. <laughs> she can find the ring. <laughs> You could do that. Or you could just be like, hey, so we already live together. Um, and, you know, I know, like, you want to get married eventually. And, like, I want to get married eventually. And, like, I really love you. And, like, do you think maybe you see yourself marrying me one day? And, like, yeah, conversate from there. Why are you doing this? Why do you have to make it so convoluted, Garrick? Just, just remember how in the beginning she was like, communication is key. Why are you playing these games, Garrick? Right. Also, I felt like Garrick had basically no personality this entire book. 
until this part where it turns out his personality is like uh equally overthinking things as much as bliss is yeah and I'm like, oh okay so you guys shouldn't you guys shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> your house is going to be so fraught <laughs> it's gonna be like you need to go pick up a thing of milk from the, the store and you have like an elaborate scavenger hunt that leads to like a note in the bathroom that was like written with dry erase, but then erased. So it only shows when it fogs up that says like, don't forget to pick up milk so that like bliss remembers to pick up milk, but you can't tell her directly. Cause that would be like telling her what to do. And that's just too much. Like he's primed her days beforehand by talking incessantly about cows and goats. <laughs> he just keeps looking at her over his like mug of water and going, I wish this was creamier. (laughs) (laughs) And they haven't had milk for two weeks. So if you heard about this like um, milk thing, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's kind of new. Uh, (laughs) It's a mess. It's, it is a mess, but I still liked it. I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't think it was, it wasn't difficult to read and it Mm -mm. wasn't, a pain to read. I just, there was a lot of things here that annoyed me and nothing that to me made it a satisfying read, if that makes sense. Okay. So kind of getting into what, what would you like in the next new adult book we read? What are, what are you looking for? Um, We talked about it last time with the mister and did not meet any of those qualifications. This one. So I assume those still hold, but do you have any other thoughts Yes. I think I want them to be the same age. Okay. I'm not really a fan of one being in college and one not. I think for me, I would prefer if they were both out of college. Just, okay. I don't know. That to me, I'm I'm less removed from that life than I am from college life, maybe, because I'm so prime adult age right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that I just... I don't know. I feel like sometimes with campus novels, like college novels in general... There is a bit of immaturity to them. Is okay. that? I don't know if that's exactly what I want to say, but there's just something about them that I don't find realistic, and I don't find mature. <laughs> I guess that it, I don't know. I just I'm, it's not my favorite. So okay, and especially with one having being the teacher and one being the student, it was just like not a good mix for me. So same age, preferably out of college, and no Mm. weird power dynamics? Mm, I mean, I could probably be down for like a boss employee situation, you know, like a a CEO um, who's into BDSM. No, I'm just kidding. No, like a CEO and a... um... (laughs) (laughs) And makes you sign a contract. Yeah. And he shows you his special room with his sex jeans. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 no! Like as long as the <laughs> like the more unequal the power dynamic, the more okay I feel about it. Oddly enough, I don't know why. Okay. I don't know why. Um, between this one and the other one we read, which was the Mister, mm. uh, another big difference aside from the sex slavery was that this one only had one point of view. What's your feeling on that? Do you prefer I liked that one better. point of? One point of view? Yes. I'm usually not a huge fan of 
multiple viewpoints because there's always, without fail for me, I get attached to whatever is the first one I read and I don't want shit from the other ones. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> okay. How are we feeling about love triangles? Do we need to find one without a love triangle or are they okay? You know, I would be I would be willing to read. I'm always open to a love triangle because I'm not expecting to get into the fandom of whatever this book is. So <laughs> Okay. All that right. I think fun. I have some starting points as to where I need to oh I guess I should say I think that I am going to restrict this in my search because I talked about this a little bit at the beginning Mm -hmm. um to new adult in the sense of new adult romance just because I think that is kind of the um like true form of the genre at the moment so I'm sorry, but we aren't going to be doing new adult spec fic, even though that would probably be way more fun for both of us. Oh, yeah. No, like I'd eat up some Sarah J. Moss right now. That's or Lee Bardugo. Yeah, I'd be all over that. But uh, right. I know Ninth House just came out. Yeah. Still have to read it. Mm-hmm. Which I guess that kind of gets us into suggested reading for this week. Do you have a book or books that uh, you would suggest after having read this book? Yeah, I uh, like I said, I just am kind of more enjoying lately or I've noticed recently that this like the new adult kind of mixing in with the YA fantasy that I typically read or when I do read YA fantasy Mm -hmm. um and I'm really enjoying I know we've talked about a ton of times on here um Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom um more recently, Carry On and Wayward Son by Rainbow Roll, which I think we've already talked about. And then um, <laughs> I liked The Gilded Wolves by Roshani Chokshi, mm. which is um, my favorite thing. It's a heist novel. I love reading a good story about thieves just stealing shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it would it would kind of probably be a little unfair if we switched over to a new adult spec fic because clearly i'm okay with that i think it's just like kind of for me i put <laughs> i put fantasy and sci-fi and just like it's separate like regardless of who it was written yeah. for it's a fantasy book and so i right. automatically am you know liking it so read those <laughs> how about you um i was kind of thinking about it and uh i was having a hard time because like you kind of my immediate thoughts were to go to spec fic as well. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and suggest uh, Giant Days, which is a comic book series by John Allison. Yeah. Which is a new adult, technically, I believe. And actually kind of exemplifies... Well, I mean, it's, you know, set on a college campus. It's three roommates uh, trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and having some romance and um, that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff and you know it's a cute comic i just recently got into it on the advice of a friend and i've read pretty much all of it immediately it either just wrapped up or is just about to wrap up i think i'm trying to remember when it's uh finishing uh it'll be wrapped up i think by the time this episode posts um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's a it's a fun series and actually the the only big problem I had with it is that it is like a spinoff of a different uh, webcomic that John Allison wrote. 
And um, that one has more paranormal elements. So there are like occasionally paranormal elements that like briefly show up in this one. And because I haven't read Scary Go Round, which is the other one, I was like, I don't mm-hmm. get why this is happening right now. Oh. <laughs> but it's like really, really brief stuff. It's it's not, um, it, I wouldn't call it uh, like a speculative fiction type right. of series. It's primarily realistic yeah i had heard about that and i've seen art from it but i didn't really know what it was about but i like the art style so yeah the art is um max Saren and lisa tremaine i think are the two primary artists yeah the art's good (laughs) (laughs) so there you go a variety of things to try um, speaking of trying new things, next fortnight, we are actually doing a submission from friend of the podcast, Morgan, who was on ages ago to talk about, uh, yeah. fuck, what was the dumb ghost that book ghost that we book. talked about? She, yeah, that ghost book. But, uh, she pointed out earlier this summer that there is a new book out in the Anonymous Diaries series, which if you guys remember, uh, we read uh, Annie's Baby, which is by Anonymous, the author of Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal, which was, of course, Beatrice Sparks, um, who pretended that all of these diaries were real, even though they weren't. The thing is, so this is the same series. It's published by Simon & Schuster. It's titled as By Anonymous, and it is the same, like, vibe of essentially propaganda but um Beatrice Sparks is dead so we're not really sure where this book came from or who actually wrote this one (laughs) and we want to see how it stacks up compared to the other Beatrice Sparks anonymous books and if it is in that same vein of um very hand ringy warnings about teenage behavior um so we will be reading next fortnight Breaking Bailey the most recent addition to the Anonymous Diaries series. I am not looking forward to that. No, it should be bad. And it's uh, a heart-wrenching story that chronicles a girl's fatal experience with testing her moral limits and the dangers of addiction. And again, I'm assuming this is fiction because all of the Anonymous books are, but uh, until we actually get the book, I'm sure it'll, it'll probably say somewhere in there, you know, credit to whoever. Um, we'll see. We'll see if we can figure out what the deal is with this super great book. Do we know what she's addicted to? Um, I'm guessing from the bits I've seen, like Adderall or something. That's what I, think... I was thinking too. She's prestigious boarding school, rigorous coursework, long hours of studying. Yeah. It, it seems like... It's some sort of like kids taking drugs to help with their schoolwork, sort of. But I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. But it could be math, because like excerpt. Breaking Bad could right? be math. So, and they say like cooking up drugs. Oh, I'm that's maybe a good point. Meth, but that just seems like so it seems extreme. Very extreme. But like also anonymous, like Go Ask Alice and Jay's Journal were already like pretty pretty buck wild in terms of their depiction that's of true teenage drug use i'm pretty sure like doesn't go ask alice end with or not end with but doesn't it include like they have to turn to prostitution and like all oh, that probably. stuff and like jay's journal is like they're all part of a sadistic 
a cult or something like that. So if this is truly in the vein of these original uh, anonymous books, whoever wrote this one, um, meth might not be, <laughs> meth might not be a bad guess. <laughs> might it's be meth. It's 384 pages long, Em. It's yep. so long. <laughs> I'm going to die reading this one. Probably right. just like <laughs> Bailey, I'm guessing from the I yeah, this book is breaking vibe. Anna. Mm-hmm. I might have to take meth just to make it make it through this book. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I guess in the meantime, if you have a submission that you would like to send us, either for a book you think we will hate or a book you think that we will really love and maybe just don't know about it. You know, like if we had read a book in the past and you were like, hey, I have a book that's kind of like Little House in the Big Woods, but it's better. Send it our way. Mm-hmm. You can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can find his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Um, And if you use Apple Podcasts, a five-star review would be very much appreciated. And um, if you don't use it, you can talk about us anywhere on the internet. And we are currently incentivizing you to talk about us to everyone because we have stickers for your enjoyment. If you leave a review or if you share our shit via social media or just like to your friends and you have some proof of that, I guess if you want to yes. send us a screenshot of your group chat, like sure, whatever. Um, yeah. Email us and let us know and we will send you some stickers. Yes. Yes, they are on our Twitter at the moment. They're they're on it. They're on the Twitter. Um, you can see how we have tweeted about them. There are pictures of the four stickers. That is all. <laughs> In the words of Cora Carmack, my mother had told me once when I was little and had a friendship fall apart that some relationships just end. Like a star, they burn bright and brilliant and then nothing in particular goes wrong. They just reached their end. They burn out. Okay, if my mother told me that as a, like, five-year-old, yeah, I would be a theater major, too. Like, (laughs) calm down, drama queen. Oh, my God. So dramatic. (laughs) Oh, we didn't talk about this, but um, when they first, like, I might just use this as a stinger. When they first, like, uh, or not when they first, but when they actually start going to have sex and they're doing the foreplay, she describes it as words stream from my mouth, some familiar, some not. What? <laughs> Did she just, like, start <laughs> speaking in tongues? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's just so sexy. Pliss is unbelievably, ridiculously sexy.